you're going to see a lot of variability in your blood sugar, even in the absence of food, right? Like it's responding to stress. And one day we got into an argument. <laughs> you remember How can this I forget? And I was really mad at you. And later I had looked at my blood sugar levels and they had gone up like 30 points. This is the Made for Living Well podcast, hosted by Alexa Sherm, the place to create a life well lived. Welcome back to the podcast. My name's Alexa. As always, this is the place where I believe you were made for living well. Now, of course, there are still things we need to do to support our body to live that out. And today on the podcast, we're going to talk about blood sugar regulation. Yes, I invited my husband on to tell you about the results that we found from continuous glucose monitoring and the changes that we made that helped and some that hurt. Obviously, you heard in that preview clip that stress and arguments with my husband drastically increased my blood sugar more than I'd like to admit. We're going to address all of that and more inside today's podcast, which goes along with a podcast two episodes ago with Dr. Casey Means. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, you're going to want to do that after the show. And of course, check out Levels. We really do recommend them, we support them, and we think it can make a world of difference in your own life and understanding in real time what is happening inside your body. To learn more about Levels and sign up for a giveaway to win your very own Levels for a month, head on over to thelivingwell.com backslash Levels. Again, you can learn more about that there and also find out more about our results and what we're doing to manage our blood sugar over at The Living Well. That said, I also want to remind you, don't forget to check out Element. Element is actually one of the products that I have found that helped to regulate my blood sugar. I know it sounds strange to be like, why would electrolytes really make a difference in your blood sugar management? Well, the reality is, is when your body is deprived of nutrients, it's a stress response to the system. And whenever you have excess stress, you will always release more glucose, bringing your levels up just slightly to more of that stress response rather than balance in a healthy level. So in order to combat stress, we need to make sure we're supplying our body with the vitamins and minerals it needs to thrive. And shockingly, there are so many people who are deprived of these necessary vitamins and minerals that a product like Element can give you. Now, I take Element once a day. I crave it. It has made massive changes in my own life, and I think you're going to love it as well. You can get a free sample pack where you try out every single flavor on Element over at drinklmnt.com backslash made for living well. You have to use that link to get the free sample pack. So again, make sure you click on drink element. That's drinklmnt.com backslash made for living well. I know you're going to love it. Okay, but for now, let's get right to today's show and welcome my husband on to talk about our blood sugar levels. Welcome back to the podcast, Peyton. Thanks, it's been a little bit. Well, we did promise people that you were gonna come on and we are gonna share our results from the continuous glucose monitoring that we did. Yeah, it's been a very interesting process. It's been a little bit since I've done it, but um, you're currently doing it still. And so I'm sure you'll have a little bit more to say, but I did do it for 
what was it? 30 days? Yep. You did it for 30 days. And we both had, I think, wildly different results. But there is this level of understanding in real time how your body is responding to the things that you do. And that's not just what you eat, but how you move, how you live, your stress levels. All of that is really showing in this blood glucose level. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating to see how various foods, exercise, different things that you can do throughout the day have a near immediate impact for better or dare I say sometimes worse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> depending <laughs> I mean, on... I was kind of alarmed at my own results, actually. Yeah. And that's why I continue to do it because it has allowed me to also understand when I start making changes, how they are affecting, like whether they actually are helping me or they're hurting me. Now, One of the things that we have to know about blood glucose is it's a really good marker for so many other things happening inside your biology and in your mindset and other areas. Now, it also isn't like necessarily this gold standard. Of course, there's a lot of other methods and um, measures that maybe we need to understand. But the thing that I like about this is that continuous over 30 days, you get this like long haul snapshot of how your body is responding consistently compared to like just going and get, getting your levels tested like on a random morning. That's just like one snapshot in time where this is showing like that consistency over time. And I really, really like that. I think one of the things that surprised me that, you know, you never really think of, and I think you and I talked about this when we were going through it, because the first time, I guess the only time that I did it, we did it at the same time. Um, We were kind of overlapped. You were kind of halfway done before I started. But it was interesting as we kind of talked through the fact that over the course of time, there's really a big lack of data showing the results or what happens inside of the majority of people's body throughout the night. Like we can test blood sugar during certain points of the day, but to get that continuous feedback while you're sleeping without having to wake up and then take a test and, you know, does um, elevated levels of stress or something like that as you wake yourself up in the middle of the night to take a test, does that impact it? And so that that part of it to me was also interesting just to know like it's a 24-7 deal that you're constantly getting feedback all of the time and just kind of looking back over that 24 hours, you know, throughout the day just to see like, oh, I did this and this had this impact or, you know, just just understanding also just your sleep patterns and everything else and how all of that kind of intertwines and plays together. Yeah. So just to start with, what were some of the shocking results that you found for yourself? Well, I think the first one for me was, I think, just the number. (laughs) And (laughs) I will admit, and I feel like it's been long enough that we probably should have set this up, but my numbers were higher than I think we both thought they should be. Now, we have learned from your podcast a couple weeks ago that the number itself isn't necessarily as accurate but the variations of the numbers um, are really Mm -hmm. what you should pay more attention to. So that is kind of still, I would say probably should be at our to-do list is to, to get some actual like firm numbers to see where I'm at. So that was, I would say number one, number two. I mean, you were borderline pre-diabetic. Yes. 
Yeah. You had relatively stable blood sugar, like more so than mine. I felt like I had a lot more highs and valleys. Like my body was a lot more reactive than yours was, which makes sense considering I'm a female and you're a male, Um, but also just how my body responds to everything in life. It's a little bit more volatile and sensitive, but I would say that you were really pretty stable, but your average was much higher. Yeah. I, you know, within the app, it would keep track of, you know, goals where you could, you know, if you didn't have a big spike throughout the entire day, like they would keep, you know, you'd have a streak of days going on. And I, I could get mine up there for, you know, five, six days. Um, you know, there's always that one day where some variables thrown off, whether it's timing of when we ate or eating something I shouldn't have or whatever. But, um, yeah, for the most part, after the first week when I kind of got a handle on it, because I'll admit, I mean, the first week I didn't change anything just because I wanted <laughs> to see like on a normal week what's actually going mm-hmm. on. And I think that was probably an interesting thing as well, because, you know, you you change out the sensor every 10 days. So kind of taking that week to just not change my actions, I think it was kind of eye opening to see how much variability there is during the day. Like if I'm busy and I decide like, hey, I'm going to skip lunch or I'm going to eat a really late lunch. And then all of a sudden I eat it and everything just spikes and, you know, I start to get a headache or, you know, then all of a sudden I can pull that up and say, oh, this is why I feel that way. This is why I'm sluggish is because, you know, I, um, I ate this or um, like I didn't eat this. Um, It just, it's constantly giving you that, that feedback. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It really does show a lot of areas. And I think once you see it, you can't unsee it. Like once you know, you can't unknow, you know, like now that I've done that and I have seen in real time, what things did to my body, I can't look at those experiences the same way and just like, oh, almost overlook them. Like, I think a lot of times in the health space, like we want to be like, oh, this isn't that bad for me or that's not, I just, I'm just going to not worry about that. And I get there's a time and a place for that. But for me, it was like, oh, just little bits of grazing here and there, like just picking up a few potato chips was enough to spike my blood sugar, like 40 points, like ridiculous things that didn't even help me or make me feel full or satisfied and just recognizing what that could do to my body versus just sitting down and having a full meal with all the macronutrients, like enough protein that it would slow down that spike, that you could eat a lot of food without having the same spike as just having a handful of potato chips just because you're walking by and they were there. And I think for me, it's like, now that I know what happened, when I walk by the potato chips, it's kind of like, I see that in my mind. Like, it's like, I know instinctually that it is going to basically make my blood sugar get out of control really quickly. And for what, what is the reward to that cost? So you see that cost a little bit more than, than just the naiveness that I think we can have. And I really, really did appreciate that. Although I have to say for myself, and I don't think that you got here the same way I did, I created a little bit of an obsession with it right away. Like I found myself um, struggling to 
not be almost addicted to paying attention to my blood sugar levels to an unhealthy degree. Yeah, I and, I feel like that's one of those things that um, I think I would say like, yes, for the first week, I tried not to let it impact my normal decisions. But I feel like when you start to see that, you naturally make changes and experiment with it just because you're like, oh, man, like I didn't eat a good breakfast this morning and look at what happened the rest of the day. Like I I was just kind of looking back through some of the results I had. And um, there were days where I would have, you know, a three or four day streak going and I look back on what okay, happened. Say what a streak is. Explain what that is. So a streak is is basically like they they track stable meals. So if you have a meal and then your uh, your glucose level continues to maintain stability after that meal, that's considered a stable meal. If you have um, a certain number of hours throughout the day where your glucose level stays stable. So yes, there's some variation up and down, but it's not like a drastic 20, 30 point spike. And then the third part that fits into the streak in the app is some type of a healthy habit. So if you go for a walk, if you do a workout, you do something like that, you log that in there, it factors all of those things in. So for me, if I've got a good streak going and then I look at the one day when I don't, so they they also rank your days on a scale of zero to a hundred. So if you're meeting all of the objectives, you don't have these big spikes, you're in you know the 80s, 90s, that's considered good. So I've got a couple of days where I was 91, 87, um, 96, 84, and then all of a sudden the next day is 67. And I go back and look, what happened? Well, I woke up in the morning. I must have gone into work early, uh, got a donut from a gas station, ate a really quick lunch, and all of a sudden I come home and have supper and it was a good supper. Nothing wrong about what I ate, but my glucose levels were constantly plus 40, plus 50, plus 60, all the way through the middle of the night. Like it didn't stabilize again until like 3 a.m. Which means you're also not sleeping well. Correct. Even though you're sleeping, you're not sleeping well. Yeah. So yeah, I got seven hours of sleep that night. That all seems great, but the quality of my sleep probably wasn't the same as it should be. And it's just, it's like, what I think was interesting to me is I can look back at that day specifically and yeah, all I had for breakfast was a donut. My glucose level did not spike at that. And I think you could look at that and be like, oh, see, that really doesn't have an impact on me. But if you look at what happened, say 10 hours later, when you sit down and have a good meal and all of a sudden that throws everything out of whack, maybe that donut did have an impact on me. You just didn't recognize it for 10 hours. And that's, I think, some of the the things that were interesting to me was if you look at just like a a really small, short window, you can say like, oh, I had this and it didn't impact me, but did it later on in the day. And that to me was also... Uh, an interesting result. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what were some of the things that you 
have taken from your results and said like, okay, I know these parameters are really healthy for me. And I know these things were not. I think one of the biggest ones for me when I look back is consistency in meal times. And I don't mm-hmm. mean that from like a... Which is really hard for you. It is. Yeah. Because if I'm on the go during the day, um, sometimes my lunch is 11 o'clock and sometimes it's 2 o'clock or sometimes I will skip it completely. And mm-hmm. those are the days when I'm not feeding and fueling my body throughout the day um, that I see these like wide variations and wide spikes. Um So I would say meal timing for me was a big one. Yeah. What did you have anything else? Um, One of the other ones for me was it didn't really seem like what I had for breakfast had that big of an impact. Like if I had something good with breakfast, say I, I make a breakfast burrito or something like that. Even if I had that, if even if say you add a donut on top of that, it really didn't impact even the rest of the day. Now, if you have a donut on its own, that does. But it's like having a good meal to start out the day. To me, it felt like that set kind of the stage for making sure that the rest of the day went well. Yeah. I mean, I was the same way. I felt like As long as I had some sort of protein in my breakfast, I was relatively stable. And I could eat a decent amount of food and not really see that spike or that change. My spikes drastically increased as my day went on. Like I started to get a lot more chaotic with my patterns. And that goes back to like the whole circadian clock issue, right? Like that we so overlooked when we are quick to skip meals and especially men have a tendency to skip breakfast and women breakfast and lunch. And then we just binge at night. But I found that my nighttime meals, even in the healthiest forms, I had a really hard time regulating that. That's where I saw a lot of variation and also was assigned to me I really needed to fuel my day earlier in the day. Like I needed to get the majority of my food earlier in the day. And as night came, I felt like I did better. I felt better. I slept better by just eating less and eating um, maybe less things that would impact my blood sugar in a negative way. Because there were some meals that the thing about blood sugar is it's not just one spike and then a drop. It's sometimes three or four spikes like that you say that happen over three or four hours. So it's like your body's trying to take care of it, but it happens in phases. That's like a protected protection mechanism for your body is like, it happens over time. So your body's going to take care of it. And then it's going to release some more and take care of that and release some more and take care of that. It has a threshold in which it can handle safely. And to do that, it just spreads this out over the course of time, which again, when your blood sugar is spiking like that, insulin's present, it's a master hormone, which is going to suppress a lot of other hormones that are necessary for healing, for thriving, for energy use. And it's just harder on your system overall. So the longer you have those spikes and the more spikes you have in that period of time, really the more stress you're putting on your system and the more inflammation you're going to experience. And so I did recognize that I could eat the same foods earlier in the day, but if I ate them at night, they 
Even if they didn't spike my sugar earlier in the day, they would spike my blood sugar at night. Do you remember the day I did the pizza experiment? Yeah. I was literally just thinking the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I love pizza. And one day at church, we had a pizza thing after church and they served pizzas with all kinds of fresh veggies. And I had a plate full of fresh veggies and probably like three-ish slices of pizza, something like that. We brought home some leftover pizza that night and I was like, okay, I'm going to try the same thing again. And I ate the same meal all over again, the same amount of pizza. And my blood sugar went crazy. But I think the difference though is the second day you did not eat the vegetables before you ate the pizza. I didn't eat the vegetables and I also ate it at night, not at lunchtime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, we know this, like research knows that your metabolism is stronger, your gastric enzymes are released more easily, and your body's just more readily available to digest food, assimilate it, absorb it, do all the things that we need with the nutrients earlier in the day. And as the day progresses, that really does fall and our ability to metabolize food actually decreases. And so it is going to cause more variations later in the day. Talk about your experience you've found with exercise and movement and how that's impacted the variation. Because you've had days where you will eat lunch and just go back to sitting behind the computer and you've had the same exact meal maybe the next day or two days later and either before or right after you've gone for a walk or done like a light exercise and Maybe explain what you found just with those simple changes. Yeah. I mean, I realized that when I exercise, for me, it's better to do that after I eat. You know, there was long men standing research that said we should exercise in a fasted state. And I think that there still is a time and a place to like push our body a little bit in the fasted state. But I recognized that when I was working out in that fasted state, what was often happening is I was using up a lot of that sugar in my system. And so my blood sugar would drop and drop and drop and drop. And it would be at some of the lowest points throughout the day as I was kind of finishing that workout. So that when I went to eat, because my blood sugar started out lower than it naturally or normally was, any amount of even healthy food brought my blood sugar up to what I would consider a normal range, but it was because the spike was so great or the difference was so great, it still looked like a blood sugar spike, even though it wasn't getting super high. And so I was seeing that irregularity, I guess, when I was working out and then eating. But when I switched that pattern and I started eating and then moving my body, I really did notice that you could eat, again, a relatively decent amount of food and also have some carbs in there, right? Like I would eat breakfast and remember when I was starting, I'm like, I'm going to try to have a donut with this meal and see what happens. I'm going to have a donut with this meal. And as long as I exercised afterwards, and what I'm talking about exercise is going for a walk, playing a game of pickleball, like nothing like intense exercise. I was just moving my body for 20 or 30 minutes after I consumed food. Again, the spike really dissipated. Like it was really pretty minimal and considered in that normal range. And so for me, I found that it was better for me to work out or move my body afterwards. And that wasn't always practical because I still wake up early and do my workout and I never eat before I do that. Um, but for me, it is also recognizing 
that just little bouts of movement after I consume food, even if it's just going on a quick walk outside or doing some house chores, any little thing, activity that keeps me on my feet after I move for even 10 or 20 minutes makes a world of difference. And Dr. Means talked about a couple of podcasts ago when she was on the podcast about how they're finding exercise and just one intense bout of exercise a day is not nearly as beneficial as short bouts all throughout the day. It's like that consistent movement helps keep your blood sugar really even. And I think we also have to, like, this brings in the whole conversation about what stress is also doing to our blood sugar, because you're going to see a lot of variability in your blood sugar, even in the absence of food, right? Like it's responding to stress. And one day we got into an argument. <laughs> you How can I forget? Like, and I was really mad at you. And later I had looked at my blood sugar levels and they had gone up like 30 points. Just in Which our argument. In, in comparison to maybe something that you ate, what's the difference in like that? 30 points versus say, you know, you have a candy bar or something like that. What's, what's that doing in relation? I mean, it's not necessarily like, I would say if I ate a candy bar, it would probably spike 50 or 60 points, right? Like depending on what you ate it with, but a 30 point spike was like eating a meal, essentially. Like my blood sugar responding the same way after I had an argument, just like it would have after I just ate a meal. And I'm not saying that we can avoid all stress because I also noticed this when I was like coaching soccer and I was just a little bit elevated, right? Like I would notice that my my glucose levels would go up, which again, biologically speaking, is what is supposed to happen in times of stress. We're constantly releasing that glucose into the system to give us the energy to respond accordingly. But I think a lot of us are living in that unnatural state of stress all the time without actually moving our body or needing that glucose. And I can imagine like if you had those same spikes numerous times throughout the day to your body, it was like you're eating that many more meals, right? Like it's like, you're not just eating food, but to your body, your body's responding in the same way as if it ate a meal. So it's like doubling the amount of food energy that you're consuming in a day just by having that elevated stress response throughout throughout any given day. Now, you did not respond the same way to stress that I did. No, I feel like we talked about that for the most part. I was able to maintain a pretty consistent level. Um, I mean, it it became clear to me um, that the issues that I was having that were causing spikes were due to just completely skipping a meal. Like even, even skipping breakfast. Like if I didn't eat until lunch or if I ate breakfast and I skipped lunch or, you know, those were the times when I look back on it, um, that had the biggest impact negatively on me. It really wasn't due to stress or, working out or exercising or things like that, those to me didn't have as big of an impact as just having consistent meals. Right. Yeah. Which is a, which is something that you've battled for a long time. Like, you know, I think a lot of times you believe that, oh, skipping meals is healthy, like intermittent fasting, like kind of push it off as that, even though I pushed back on you for a long time about that, 
that inconsistency to your body is again, another stress on the system. It doesn't know when to be prepared. It doesn't know when you're going to consume food. And then when you do, instead of metabolizing that, it almost, again, creates this kind of havoc inside your system where it does create a larger spike in blood sugar for a prolonged period of time until you reset that with your next sleep yeah, cycle. Like, let's take today, for example. I had a breakfast burrito and I ate it really quickly because we were. I was on the way out the door to take the kids to school. So number one, I know sitting down and slowly eating food is different than eating it very quickly. So that's another thing within just how you consume the food, not just what you're consuming. So that's another variation that I feel like I found. And then um, I had a chiropractor appointment. I had a couple of meetings. Um, by the time I was getting back home, it was like 1.30. And the whole time I was like, well, I'll just eat when I get home. I'll just eat when I get home. So there's a window from say what, seven o'clock in the morning when I had breakfast until 1.30 where I didn't consume anything. And now here we're recording mm -hmm. at three o'clock in the afternoon and I can already start to tell that my body feels a little bit achy. I have a little bit of a slight headache. like, And I know that's not because of anything else that's going on. It's because my body is still reacting to that huge span of time where I didn't consume anything. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Your body is reacting to the stress of what you did to it. And it will until again, your hormones reset tonight when yeah. you're sleeping. I need to briefly interrupt this podcast to tell you about an amazing product that is going to help you with your energy. Now, one thing I haven't mentioned inside this podcast is how powerful and potent water is in conducting and moving energy. And as we know, our bodies are made up of mostly water. However, the healthiest body is a balanced hydration within the system. We don't want too much water or not enough water. Both ends of the spectrum can cause you to feel sluggish and tired and really create health problems. So it's always and only about balance as you're learning inside this podcast. And one of the things that we need to balance our water and conduct more electricity and energy is minerals and nutrients like sodium and potassium and magnesium, which happen to be hard to come by in just a daily average diet. And that's why I recommend products like Element, which can help supply all of your needs for the day in one simple, easy to go packet with no hidden ingredients, no excess sugar, and no sketchy chemicals that are gonna make your body more sluggish. This is the real deal when it comes to proper balanced hydration, boosting your energy, helping you to feel well, recover better, and expand your energy field. You're going to love it. And you can learn more at thelivingwell.com backslash LMNT. And while you're at The Living Well, don't forget to sign up for the weekly fill where I share so much more about this as we start to work ourselves into a month called bioenergetic nutrition and learning how to feed your body outside of all of these diet tactics, what is going to help you feel energized and how you can eat to actually create more energy, 
lose weight, and feel better than you ever have without restriction, deprivation, or starvation. It's all happening over at the Weekly Fill. So check that out and grab some sample packs of Element using the link thelivingwell.com backslash LMNT. Okay, let's get back to today's podcast. I think one of the things that I thought was really cool was how wildly different our bodies responded to the exact same food. (laughs) You know, like we relatively eat the same thing. And yet, I think there's no denying the difference between male physiology and women physiology when you really start to see how a body responds to things like stress that set me off. But to you, to men who can handle a little bit more stress, it really didn't create a change in you. And I think that's one of those things too that you've talked about this on the podcast a number of times, how a lot of the recommendations around things like this are based on primarily male dominant studies and i think it was it was interesting you know if there was a day where we would do a workout together we would eat the same breakfast we would eat the same lunch we would eat the same dinner we would both work this basically the same number of hours we would kind of mirror each other in everything that we did and we could look at our results at the end of the day and there were wide variations in how your body reacted to that versus mine. Right. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of annoyed (laughs) at my body. (laughs) I was like, of course, it's it's reacting to everything. It's kind of what it does. Uh, But I've also learned to respect that and look at it like anything else and say, there really isn't a perfection to this. It's like always about making progress. And even as I've done this, like I'm on my third month with it. I still am frustrated because my stability score is not great. Even though I'm eating relatively, what I would say is healthy food. Like I really do have a great balance of that. And I think that there's always room for improvement. But I also like want to give people a little bit of permission to be like, is there a hard and fast way that your body wants to respond? Or are some of these variations for me what actually makes me me and creates that health inside of me versus you? Again, we don't have a ton of research to understand that, the difference between men and women and how I respond. And of course, my cycle makes all the difference in how my body's responding to the food that I eat and the lifestyle activities. And you can start to see all of that. And it makes it a little bit more frustrating as a female because while yours was relatively consistent, mine took a lot more um, guessing, I think, of recognizing there's a lot of variability day to day. And that's partially responsible because of my hormonal I will admit, I feel like when I could get a four or five day streak, I'm not going to say it was easy because you still had to be careful about what you did, about what you consumed, when you consumed it. But it did feel easy, but it felt very robotic. Mm, Yeah, like you were eating the same. Yeah, like, okay, I figured out this works. Here's the thing, though. I never got a four-day streak. I barely got a one-day streak. (laughs) Just yeah. gloat in that for a minute. I'll pat myself <laughs> on the back. <laughs> I know uh, you're doing so good, which is so frustrating because I feel like overall, I feel like I live the healthier life for sure than you do. But again, 
it's the difference in female physiology, male physiology, a lot of different things going on. Maybe even my mindset a little bit of being frustrated about it and stressed in different ways about life. You have a more even demeanor in general. I'm generally more high and low. <laughs> I play a lot of a lot of feelings. But let's go back to <laughs> the one large caveat that we still have yet to clarify with me is am I truly borderline pre-diabetic? <laughs> because you can talk about know, right. consistency and maintaining the glucose levels and all of that. But if the underlying level is really high, there's still an underlying issue there. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. We need to get your blood work taken to just see where you are. Um, because that's the thing about the glucose monitoring too. When you put it on your body, there are different points. And I found this by testing numerous different areas about where I'm wearing it, that it really does read drastically differently. Like I, in the summer, put it on my lower abdomen, which is probably not the best place considering I'm someone who's had a C-section and the scar tissue can really impact how your glucose levels are reading. But I didn't want to have one, a tan line <laughs> and two, I know. A tan, tan so circle. A tan line and two, and two, our daughter, youngest daughter was kind of freaked out about people asking me about it. So she was like, mom, this is so embarrassing. So partly for her, I just like out of sight, out of mind. But then now that it's been a little bit cooler and I can wear longer sleeves, I put it on the back of my arm, which is where they recommend for adults. And my levels are 20 points, just average lower than they are, than they were on my stomach. Um, and so we have to know that where you put it obviously is making an impact in how your body's reading it. So you want to go through the, the consistencies or recognize over time what is happening rather than just the specific number. And Dr. Means stated that, but she also said, if you have any concerns, you should probably always get that metabolic test done to just see where your, where your levels are of other issues or other, other measures to make sure there's not something more going on in your body. With that said, you've done it one month. I've done it three months. Would you recommend doing it? Like it, there is a, a cost. Like, I think this is costly. It took a moment for us to both like say like, okay, this is something we're going to commit to and invest in. What did you, would you, would you recommend that to people? Yes. And the reason I say that is because my fear is that people listening to this would hear us talk about our results. They hear me say, oh, don't skip a meal. Oh, don't do this. Oh, hey, this worked really well for me. Or you saying, hey, yeah, if I exercise, if I do this, like that has an impact. And what I don't think is a great way to respond to that is to say, oh, I'm going to start doing A, B, and C because your body may not respond in the same way. And I think, right. yes, there's a cost to this. But if you understand what that is for you, like for me, I did this back in May. It's now September. So it's been a solid almost five months since I've done it. And I still think back, like I talked about what I ate today and how I'm feeling right now. Like I know that because I did this for 30 days. And like, yeah. I would recommend doing it maybe quarterly if you can do that 
otherwise at least maybe twice a year at the very least because one of the interesting things i thought of is you know doing it in may it's spring we're outside like we're starting to get outside we i think we're in the middle of like spring soccer season so we were doing a lot of movement up and down um i'd be really interested to see what happens in february when we're locked inside the house mm-hmm. in cold winter <laughs> days, you know, like that to me, I'm like, that would be interesting to see what the difference would be just in varying seasons. So I think if you were able to do it quarterly and kind of hit the spring, summer, fall, winter, and kind of see throughout the year, if there's differences like that to me would be interesting to do. Um, but I, I absolutely think it's worthwhile doing it at least once just so that you can get that feedback on exactly what works for you. I think 30 days feels long, but it also feels quick. And I think it does go it by does, really fast. But I still feel like even if I go back and look at those 30 days for me, I can see like, oh yeah, I remember when I tried this out or I tried that out. Um, you kind of have to be consistent for maybe two or three days before you try something else. Because, you know, one thing I feel like we found as well is if you try doing something one day, a lot of times or sometimes if it's negative, that negative will carry over into the start of your next day. And so sometimes I feel like you also can't get into it and say like, okay, Monday, I'm going to try this. And Tuesday, I'm going to try that. You kind of have to look at it and say, Let's try this Monday through Wednesday. Let's try this Thursday through Saturday. And then just kind of be consistent across a couple of days as you test things. So if you think about it from that perspective, you know, maybe you come up with 10 different things you want to test um, and kind of see how you react to it. This is so analytical. If you're, if you only (laughs) have one shot at it and you've got 30 days to do it, then get the most out of it that you can. Yeah, right, right, right. That makes sense. I think it's really valuable for everyone just to see where your levels are consistently over time. But I think it's only valuable to continue doing it or purchasing them throughout, you know, whether that's quarterly or every other month or whatever it is, if you're willing to make the changes. Like if you want to see the results, because if you don't change, it's never going to change. You know, like it's always going to be the same shocking results. Um, But if you can really start to see those changes, I think it's really cool to see over time how that's shifting, how your body's responding. Like now that I've made some changes, I really do see more consistency in my levels and I've seen it go down over time, right? Like my average glucose has decreased and not just because I've changed where it is on my body, but I do see that downward trend just slightly so that it's in a, in a healthier place. So I think all of that, but you have to be willing to do the work. Now, before we go, I want to know what are a few things that you have taken and you really like you really have implemented from using continuous glucose monitoring in your life? I think even if it's not a great option, it's not skipping lunch. Even if it's not. How about breakfast? Same thing there. Even if it's not a great option, still like. I'll mix up like a protein shake. Like if I'm if I'm running short on time, like even just just getting something in my body throughout the day. Like that to me mm-hmm. has been one of those things that um yeah, like on a day like today, 
I probably should have eaten lunch maybe an hour and a half sooner. Meetings got moved around. I ended up out of the house longer than I was expecting. So that stuff happens. Like that's the reality of this too, is life happens. And sometimes you can't be so fixated on everything that you can't be flexible enough to say, Hey, there was nothing I could do for that. Like just roll with it and go. But I think for me, it's not skipping those meals. Um, Whenever I have control over that is the best thing that I can do. Like I said, even if it means not making the absolute best choice, to me, it's getting something in my body so that I don't have this 10 hour long period in the middle of the day where there's literally nothing I'm putting in my body. Yeah, I think for me, it was one, recognizing eat for me, eating earlier in the day and a lot of my calories earlier in the day is so beneficial, but also protein. I did not and have not been very good at consuming the amount of protein that I need. And I recognize that drastically changed my blood sugar spike, which of course it does. It not only helps fill you up, but it slows that sugar release in the system. Um, And I think this has helped me to pay more attention to that, to say like, okay, this meal just definitely doesn't have the protein in it. It's going to spike my blood sugar and it's not going to leave me feeling full for long periods of time. And so it really has allowed me to shift my view of that and also to recognize when I eat this meal, even if it's if if it was healthy and I still had um, a bigger spike than I would anticipate, it's to come back and say, okay, what could I have added to that to help slow down that sugar response? So I'm looking at not necessarily how can I take away from that, but how can I add to that? And then also for me is just the importance of meals over just grazing. It's so easy to just get yourself caught grazing and just, you know, perusing through your pantry and just pulling out things or just snacking on things. And really that just creates just this flood of glucose all day long and it just becomes erratic. But if I just had those meals, not only was I satisfied in between, but I felt more energized. I slept better. I had a better overall mood and I feel so much less inflamed. Now I'm not perfect at it. I tend to be a little bit more rebellious. So sometimes I'm like, forget it. Like forget my blood sugar. I just want to live my life. And I have all those mental hurdles sometimes that I still have to cross. But in general, I feel like it's empowered me in a lot of ways to really know and understand, okay, these are the things that actually make me feel good. I can see that it's responding in a healthy way because health is always about how your body responds, not necessarily just what you do. And then just doing more of that, like repeating that rather than just getting so lost in what everyone else is telling me to do. So I really enjoyed it. I have levels. I don't have it on me right now, but I have another 10-day cycle. And I feel like I want to experiment with a few more things because like I mentioned, I have never had those multiple day-long streaks. I'm not sure if my body can I mean, it can, right? I'm not sure that that is how my body will ever kind of respond. I think it always is a little bit more highs and lows in everything that I do, but I definitely want to move more into that and see what I can do not to deprive myself or starve myself, but really to create more consistency within that. So with that said, 
Uh, Levels is amazing. There are other companies on the market. We've looked into them. We've researched them. I don't think you can go wrong with any of them, but we really did and have enjoyed Levels. And their app that they have is so user-friendly. Plus, their customer support is pretty great too. So, Peyton, where can they learn more about Levels and trying it out for themselves? So if you go to thelivingwell.com slash levels, then that will take you to a, a checkout page where you can choose the app subscription that you want. So the subscription to the app itself is separate from the glucose monitors that you get. So um, if you have diabetes and you already have glucose monitors, you can just purchase access to the app that that kind of gives you additional feedback. Um, you can do meal tracking, all of that stuff in there, and it gives you real-time feedback, some suggestions, all that kind of stuff around the meals that you eat, um, healthier options, that kind of stuff to help kind of maintain that. Um, but you can choose to subscribe to the app for a single month, which is $40 or you can subscribe to it for the entire year, which is 199 And then a monthly subscription for the uh, glucose monitors themselves is $199. So like you were saying, the minimum amount that you can even try 30 days is a little less than $250. So Again, if you look at it from yeah. the perspective of, you know, the cost of going to the doctor, um, you know, maybe it's the cost of two doctor appointments or something like that. Um, I mean, for us, it's the cost of yeah, one doctor's true. appointment. Um, but I mean, if you wanted to do this for an entire year, it's in the ballpark of $2,500. So it's not, it's not a cheap tool, but I feel like extremely powerful if you take it seriously and you really use it to make changes. So mm -hmm. um, if if you decide to go with the annual app subscription, um, if you follow that link, thelivingwell.com slash levels, they give you two free months um, access to the app. Uh, so you can take advantage of that. But otherwise, I would suggest either way, um, go there, check it out, see if it's something that makes sense for you. Yeah, we have really enjoyed it. And that's why we're talking about it. And as we continue to do it, because I think you're going to do it another month. I have a couple more months. I want to try it later this winter. We'll keep updating you on what we learn and if our minds have changed about anything. So that is it for today's podcast. We hope that this was encouraging to you and that you could learn a thing or two, even if you don't have the ability to purchase a Levels app, which we know is costly. I think that there is great information in here and over at the blog where I'm going to share more about just some basic tips for how you can regulate your blood glucose. Again, it's not necessarily just about the things that you eat, but a lot of it is just lifestyle-based. Like you said, the, the biggest thing for you was meal timing. Um, for me, that was equally, but also just movement. Moving my body more made such a world of difference. So head on over to The Living Well to learn more about that and how you can get started managing your blood sugar because it does matter. And just a fun fact for you, Peyton, are you ready for this? Sure. Everyone gets so hung up about their hormones, right? Blood glucose 
determines sex hormones or is partially responsible for determining sex hormones. So if you have a hormonal issue, it really starts earlier than that at a blood sugar issue and some other issues like mindset and other things. But it just goes back to the 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 hormonal hierarchy. Have you seen my post about the hormonal hierarchy? Yes. Where there's specific hormones at the bottoms and then there's ones in the middle and then the top. Yep. The top is sex hormones. Those are like the last hormones that flood into your system. But those master regulators are things like insulin and cortisol and oxytocin. These are our big hormones that regulate our stress response, our blood sugar, and really every other function inside the body. So if you want to learn more about that, head on over to The Living Well, where I share more. But just so you know, blood sugar really does matter and the health of you. It would be you to figure out how to tie a discussion around sex hormones into a blood glucose discussion. <laughs> Why? Because you never want to come on the podcast and talk about sex. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Um, but hey, I was going to mention though too, we kind of mentioned it, Dr. Casey Means, but just two weeks ago on episode number 311, Alexa did interview the founder of Levels to kind of get her feedback because like we talked about, there's not a ton of research around this. And so Levels is also a research company as a part of what they do. You know, they're getting constant feedback for various um, age ranges and body types and all of this. Um, and so it's it's really fascinating to hear them talk about all of these different diseases and just results that that they're seeing on the backside of um, just the data that they're bringing in. Yeah, go back and listen to that. It was episode number 311. And again, you can learn a lot more over at thelivingwell.com. Okay, thank you so much for being here, Peyton, and sharing your information. You're actually coming back on the podcast in a few weeks, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, here's to having the best week. <laughs>